Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What up, what up, what up, podcast party people. You miss me? I was gone last week. I was too busy, man. Fuck, it was slammed. Very, very busy. Got the new record coming out, doing a million hours of press, having to rehearse for the happy hours. Shot a video, like oh, the launch of a video, just a million things. So, I think I've told you this over the last uh, few months, but as we get closer to the tour, to the release of the record, we're not going to be as uh, not going to be probably as regular. You know, I haven't even really bothered to schedule any guests at the moment because I'm just so. You know, the main day that I do the podcast is on Tuesday. And so, right now, my Tuesday is filled up with uh, press for the new record. And it's a lot, I mean, it's like seven hours. It's a fucking long time. And by the time I'm done, I'm just... (sighs) My throat's hash. Last thing I can even do is think about interviewing somebody, you know, because then I got to do, you know, a lot of these interviews are over an hour, sometimes two or three and then I got to do the intro. I mean, there's just no fucking way, you know, just no way at the moment. So what my plan is, is to just do a couple of these. And I know some of you love these intros. Some of you, the only reason you listen to the podcast is for the intro. And, uh, you know, so I'm just going to continue to do some intros uh, periodically. That'll be shorter. You know, it'll be like the 20 to 30 minutes that I do for the intro. And kind of catch you up on my week or all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, and so, yeah, that's where we're at though. But I'm going to do my best. Even when the, even when the, uh, tour starts, you know, I'll be going over there. I'll just be doing like tour updates or studio updates. Once, uh, the other bands come in, maybe I'll interview like Olavi from Amon Amarth or, you know, I've already got some of the guys, most of the guys from Halo Effect. I got half the guys at least. So, but you know, maybe I'll interview just some of the other guys in Amon and other band. We'll have crew, crew drama. Maybe we'll have the crew guys come and argue because <laughs> they're always because crew guys are always arguing with each other and you know, threatening to quit and <laughs> getting all mad at each other. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll do all that, and you know, it might it might evolve now that the pandemic is 
certainly not over, but you know, now that the world is sort of opening up and we're going on tour, maybe the podcast will evolve into something else. You know, we'll see. I mean, at the very least, it'll just be my intros. So there you go. If if the interview aspect of it goes away while I'm on tour, you know, and I'll just do interviews with people when I get home. I'll just schedule it to make sure that it's happening when I'm home. Because once the record comes out, I'm going to definitely slow down on press, as we always have. If, if In case you didn't know... Machine Head for the last seven years has had a very strict rule of, uh, like, basically, we don't do any press once the record's out. So, like, we do, you know, I go, I'll do the press tour, I'll go do the press, other people will do press. And, uh, but then once the record's out, it's like, we're sick of doing press. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sick of answering the same fucking questions. And, uh, you know, so we've just been cutting it off. Partially because uh, I was doing three-hour shows and I didn't want to sit there and do, you know, an hour and a half of interviews talking prior to a show because I'm just trying to save my throat for the show. Um, and part of it's just because, you know, it's overkill. You know, all especially like the online press, it's like you see the same fucking interview on, you know, one of the news aggregators, you see the same fucking thing like, you know, 50 times and just kind of seems pointless after a while to, you know, I mean, unless you're making some big controversial statement, you know, like a Ted Nugent who's got to like pop off about every fucking, you know, political thing that happens. Um, you know, there's not really a point and we don't really even see the point in that. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, We'll see, but that but that means good news for you. That means that the podcast will continue, and you know you get you get like a little bit of a news here, like all you hardcore motherfuckers who are following this shit. You get you get updates from here. I give you updates, probably better updates than what I'm gonna even tell in a fucking interview, because an interview's gonna have to you know like they're always kind of regimented into what they want to talk about anyway. So, uh, man, last night I watched uh, Ozon. Ozon gave me a tip. Ozon's our camera guy for the happy hours. He gave me this tip to watch this uh, this show called Web of Lies or something like that. Oh, God, it was crazy. It's like a documentary on gaming culture and how they, like, fuck with each other with, like, calling the cops on you. Oh, my God, it was just fucking nuts. It's really dark. Like, way, it took a way dark turn. It kind of bummed me out. I couldn't really... We watched one episode, and I was like, ugh, like, enough. Um, and then my wife, I had seen, I'd seen a preview. We've been watching we've been watching something on Stars. What have we been watching on Stars? Stranger Things? We just finished up Stranger Things. Season finale of Stranger Things was awesome. Fucking awesome. Don't know if you saw it. Really good, though. Kind of a really, I mean... I, I haven't followed the show very religiously, but this last season, you know, I've been basically watching with my wife and, and my youngest son, Wyatt, and uh, it's killer. I mean, it's a great show. I loved it, but, uh, and I followed some of the other ones. They watched some of the previous seasons, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the first three seasons all the way through, so I've just seen, like, bits and pieces of it, but I think it's a good show. 
And the f- season finale, I watched the last probably four or five episodes and then the season finale, and it was fucking great, dude. So good. You know, they've even got, like, Dude Jam's Master of Puppets at one point, and I was just like, what? <laughs> like, what are, we, what are we doing here? It was like a two-minute commercial for Metallica. I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, here's Master of Puppets for while he fights off bats or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> it was so fucking random. And, uh, you know, but it's a cool show. Very cool show. And uh, season, like, if you, I guess if you've seen it, season finale, it's awesome i won't i won't spoil i won't give you any more spoilers i don't want to tell you what happens to one and everything and 11 and all that but it was fucking great and well done carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And then, uh, let's see, after our depressing documentary yesterday, we watched... um, I had seen I, that's what I had seen. I had seen a and I had seen an ad for this show called P Valley. P Valley. And I was like, P Valley. And I was like, strippers and drugs and rappers. And I was like, we should watch that. And my wife was like, we're not, of course you want to watch that because it's at a strip club. And and I'm just like, yeah, that's right. What's what what? We can't watch a show at a strip club. It'll be great. And so I go to bed, and apparently she starts watching P Valley without me just to see what it's like. And uh, apparently she gets hooked on it because it's a pretty good story. It is a pretty good story. And just so you know, P-Valley stands for Pussy Valley. Pussy Valley. So this whole thing happens. And so then she kind of tells me about it, and she's like, it was actually really good, and it's kind of crazy, and it's about like a, it's this gay rapper, but nobody knows that he's gay. And then there's this, they're at this strip club, and the owner of the, the, owner of the strip club, Uncle Clifford, is... He's like a trans guy who, you know, he identifies as a woman, but he's, you know, a big burly black man. And, you know, he's super funny and he's fucking, you know, I mean, and he dresses like a stripper. You know what I mean? Like he's tarted up to the fucking heels. And uh, it's just it's a crazy story. And then there's all these hot, you know, it's just chicks are just half naked or naked throughout the whole thing. There's drugs and guns and violence and, you know, corruption and Happens in Mississippi, too. And I got to say, man, I don't know what it is about that Mississippi drawl. That Mississippi. It's such a good accent, though. Like, i just been listening to it. It's just, it's just nuts. It's a really great show. So we watched a few of those last night. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's on Stars with a Z. Stars Network. It's called P-Valley. Pussy Valley. How are you going to forget that? And uh, yeah, they run, they run a stri- he runs a strip club. Uncle Clifford runs a strip club called Pink P Y N K. And Mercedes is the big draw. Like all the dudes want to come. Like if Mercedes dances, like making it rain. <laughs> you know, you know you you know you've been to the strip club. You know what make it rain means, right? Make it rain means especially it's like I've been to. I've been to mostly, like, in L.A., I've been to a lot of strip clubs, and it's mostly, like, uh, 
it's kind of like rocker dudes at the strip clubs there. But every once in a while, you can go to some random one that's kind of like baller dudes. You know, it's like mostly hip hop and black people. And and uh, every time, every once in a while, back in the day, I would go to a strip club like that. And like the baller dudes, it's totally different vibe. <laughs> like it's a, it's a totally different vibe. You know, like the baller dudes are crazy because like sometimes they'll just be walking by and they'll have like you know, $200 in ones and they'll just, they won't even look at the chick. They'll just walk by the fucking, the strip, the stripper and just like, boom, pow, pow, 200 bucks, pow, just all around her and shit. It's crazy. You know, like it's nuts. But that's their vibe. I never, I literally never saw that at the fucking rocker strip clubs. I went to this one strip club. Oh my God. This, I got to tell this story. This is super funny. Dean Carr. Shout out to Dean Carr. Dean Carr is a fucking incredible photographer, incredible videographer. He's done. He did the photos for the Burning Red. He did the photos for the first Slipknot record. He did the photos for Antichrist Superstar, Marilyn Manson. He directed, you know, a bunch of video, like a bunch of those early Dave Matthews videos. And like, he's awesome, right? Killer. I think he might've done even the Sweet Dreams video. And, uh, we worked with him on our third record doing, he did some of our photos. He did the album cover. He did the, the band photos. And he was a maniac. Always fun to hang out with. Total fucking lunatic. And uh, <laughs> so many, so many. I, I could literally, I could spend the rest of the podcast just on Dean Carr, but I'm not going to because he probably would not be happy. I should get him on the podcast to talk about <laughs> his adventures, but... Let's just say we did a lot of uh, the Colombian marching powder when we were hanging out together. Anyway, um, he took us, he, he would take us to some strip clubs, and sometimes he'd take us to these really nice strip clubs. We went to the baller strip club with him, and he's like, I got to take you to the worst strip club in LA, in Hollywood. And I was like, Yeah. I was like, Why is it the worst? He's like, Because it's like nothing but like old ladies who have been stripping for 40 years and they can't get any other work and it's just the most depressing place in the world but it's awesome <laughs> i was just like okay let's go there so we went there and you know i think it's like a thursday night or something so it's you know or a wednesday night like it's a pretty dead night it would it would be a dead night at a strip club on any normal day you know it might have even been the afternoon i want to say it might have been like five in the afternoon so just <laughs> You know, you're always, you're if you know strip clubs, you're always going to get kind of like you know third string uh, at five o'clock, <laughs> and then as the night goes on, it'll be like you know start to get second string. Then you get your top tier strippers, you know, around the nighttime, and uh, man, it was just <laughs> fuck. He was not kidding. It was like we walked in and there was like a sixty year old lady stripping. <laughs> And not and good like it and it wasn't like uh you know it wasn't like Jennifer Aniston like where it's an older chick that's hot or like Meryl Streep where it's like an older chick but she's hot and in good shape it was like whoa <laughs> you've done a you've done a lot of meth girl but it was fascinating I gotta say it was fascinating just being there and we just sat there and I just sat there up front and watched the whole thing you know and it's not like I gotta say like for me strip clubs are not like. I mean, if there's a hot chick, it's like, fuck your hot chick. But it's not like I'm super aroused and like, oh, my God. You know, it's just like kind of fascinating to me, like watching. I, he he had a horrible name for actually his friend. It wasn't him. It was his friend who had a horrible name for strippers. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> like it was. But it was the worst fucking. It was so bad. But he called him naked beggars. 
<laughs> and I was like, naked. I was like, dude, that's mean. But it's true. <laughs> like, fuck. And, uh, yeah, they would come over at that one strip club. They came over, and it's like 60-year-old chick. She's missing a bunch of teeth. She's reeking of alcohol. And she's like, hey, you want to lap dance, sugar? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I'll get a lap dance from a 60-year-old toothless chick. Why not? Why Why not? Fuck it. When, when in Rome. And uh, so, yeah, I got a lap dance from a really old, <laughs> reeking of alcohol, you know, missing teeth. And she was just like, you could tell she was just not into it, did not care at all. But, like, was just like, oh, yeah. But they make small talk, and it's funny. Yeah. But even those, I'm kind of just like, eh, like, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I've been to strip clubs in the U.K., I've been to strip clubs in Germany. Oh, I went to a uh, I went to a transvestite club in Germany in Hamburg. That was super fun. We did like five strip clubs, and then the last one was a trans club with like drag queens. Oh my god, that was the most fun. That was the most fun I had at all the strip clubs because it was fucking insane. Like, and people were going crazy. It was so fucking funny. And we were by the time we got there, we were just shit faced. And uh, that was a great one. Highly recommend that. Um, and especially if you have girls with you. It really, like, the girls feel way more comfortable. And I was with a bunch of girls. So it was my publicist. My publicist from Germany, I remember. what, And I can't remember her name. Fuck. Oh, well, whenever. Yeah, I went there. I've been to strip clubs in... Oh, I went to a strip club in Thailand. Yeah, baby. I went to Super Pussy. That's what it's called, Super Pussy. I was like, I need to go to Super Pussy. I want to see me one of these donkey shows. I want to see the thing where they smoke the fucking cigarette out of their pussy. Like that. Give me it all. We went there. We went there, the band and crew. And uh, I, I sat right up. I was like, give me it all. I went and nobody would sit up front. I was like, I'm sitting right up front for this shit. I want all of this. Give it to me. She was amazing. The one chick, it was just—it was just such a weird vibe too, because it's like two fucking two girly boys or whatever they're called. You know, the boys that are just, which is just weird because they're just dancing back there, but they look like women, but they don't—they don't do any of the stuff. It's like all the crazy shit happens from the real, the real kind of stripper chick. And uh, so we're so we're all sitting there, and then the one chick comes up, and of course they fucking love me because I'm like all like, wow, my god, like this is awesome. And uh, she does the whole, but she eats the banana with her pussy, and then, then lets it out with like little, little you know, like little bite-sized pieces of it. Once it comes out, smokes a cigarette with her pussy. No donkey show, nothing like that. But it was awesome. And then they, they gave like I gave them a bunch of money, and then they gave me a bunch. They gave me a bunch of like a free beer and stuff. They were just so stoked that I was happy to be there. They like gave me a they gave me a lay they gave me a flower lay which was amazing, so you know the strippers loved me and at fucking Thailand you know, super pussy. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, let's see, what else? Where else? I've been to a strip club in New York with the Pantera Boys. I meant to... Dimebag and Vinny's Strip Club so many times. And that wasn't even like a strip club. Even though chicks were stripping, that was like you were just hanging out. And then there just happened to be chicks stripping. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. Some other places in the Midwest. I remember with Col- when we were out with Cold Chamber, those guys used to go to strip clubs a lot. So we'd go to like rando strip clubs in the Midwest. Where else have I been? I've been when in, I want to say in Spokane, Washington, I went to a strip club. Yeah, that one was pretty rough. That was that one. That one was kind of rough. And then here in the Bay Area, I went to a, a fucking every strip club up and down on Broadway. But then I went to probably the nicest one was uh, the one that's over off of shit O'Farrell. It's the one over by the Great American Music Hall. Fuck, what is the name of it? Uh, something Brothers. I don't know. I can't remember. Mitchell Brothers? I used to date a girl there. I used to date a couple of strippers from there. A couple of strippers that I dated at the same time from the same strip club, which apparently caused a lot of drama back in the strip strip locker room or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, one was white, one was black. I was dating a black girl, a black stripper. No names. I'm not going to say any names, but. It was, it was a good time. It was a good time. I was a bachelor. I was a single man. I was like, hey, why why, why not? It's cra- and the strippers are crazy. <laughs> like, like, if you ever just want the most insane three months of your life, date a stripper. Like, your life will you just, you, you can't even fathom how insane your life will get. <laughs> like, uh, that's what, isn't that what Joe Rogan said Trump was? Trump was America's way of dating a stripper. <laughs> he said that I wanted the comedy special. Like, you ever date a stripper? Yeah, that's what, you know, having Donald Trump as president's like. It's like dating a stripper. Just fucking, what in the fuck are we doing here? Uh, all right, enough of that. Pussy Valley. Um, what else? Dude, I watched this show on our, it wasn't even a show. What was it? A, it was a YouTube clip. You know, I'm a Star I'm a total Star Wars nerd. And I uh, I watched this YouTube clip about the voiceover of I watched a couple of YouTube clips on the making of Star Wars, which is pretty awesome actually. And it was uh but one of the clips was about Darth Vader's voice. And you know, James Earl Jones is the guy who did Darth Vader's voice, who's got an awesome voice. And uh you know, originally, I guess, David Prowse, who was the character, the the uh, actor bodybuilder who portrayed Darth Vader in the original films. Six foot six bodybuilder. And he was English. And he had kind of a high voice. Not like, not abnormal, but like, certainly not the Darth Vader voice that we know and love. Bring the ship apart piece by piece until you found those tapes. Find the passengers in this vessel. I want them alive! And I guess he was. It was originally intended that he would do the voice, and then I guess at some point, George Lucas was like, "I want to. I don't want this guy to do it. I want Orson Welles, Orson Welles, to do the Darth Vader voice." 
And then I guess they reached out to him, and you know, Orson Welles wasn't really into it. And then George Lucas was like, I think too many people will know his voice because he's very famous. And you know, at the time, he was very famous for radio, so everybody knew that voice. And um, so then, at some point, I guess they get they enlist uh, James Earl Jones, who comes in, nails all of the Darth Vader uh, lines. In two hours, he gets a check for like $7,500 or something, or $1,500 or $7,500. I can't remember what it was now. And is on his way. Like literally comes in, does two hours of work, which is insane to me. Just like reads all of the script of the Darth Vader lines. And that was just so fucking wild to me. And then they, and they started showing clips it's so good. They start showing clips of David Prowse, you know, uh, doing the doing the Darth Vader voice, like in you know he's in the helmet, but he's saying you know so everybody can act. Everybody, you know, she it's got Prince like the scene where Princess Leia, like in the beginning where they capture Princess Leia, and then he's like, "You are a traitor," and you he's like, "You are a traitor," and you and the Rebel Alliance will be blah, 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 you know just and she's saying her lines to him, which we all know by this point by heart, but. It was so fucking weird to hear this other voice for Darth Vader. And then they showed James, they cut to the scene of James Earl Jones. You are a traitor and a rebel alliance. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, it was just so much fucking better. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was killer. And it was all about the three things that made Darth Vader kind of what he is. It was James Earl Jones' voice. It was... You know, the way that David Prowse carried himself wearing a mask and, you know, like the use of his hands and how that kind of made the character. And then the other thing was the sound design, the sound design guy who basically I mean, he ended up winning an Academy Award for Star Wars because the sound design, you know, like he's the guy who created the laser sound, you know, the laser sounds from the laser blasters. He created all I mean, just a whole fucking shit ton. And he was the dude who created Darth Vader's breath. All that shit. And he did it like with a scuba tank and like Mike did it. Like he's just doing all this shit like in his garage or somewhere. Like it was just kind of crazy where he was doing it all. And, uh, you know, he was kind of a mad genius. And, you know, they gave him a lot of credit for how much that really kind of just that constant you know, whenever there's a scene with Vader, there's just this tension in the air. He doesn't even have to be speaking, but it's because that breath is going on. All that. I can't even do it right. You got to have that. You know, have you know, it just added this tension. And it was, it was six minutes long, but it was such a good clip. I'll put a link in here and I'll maybe... I'll ask, uh, I doubt I'm, I'm giving this up on Thursday, so I'm probably not going to do I'll just include the link somewhere down here so you can watch it. And then the other one I watched was the, uh, it was a making of Star Wars about how Star Wars was saved in the editing. And uh, yeah, it was killer. It was so good. It was just talking about how the first, I guess George, I think George Lucas might have edited the first round and everybody was, he showed it to, I mean, lucky for him, he's got friends like Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma. They're his friends. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And so he's like, hey guys, can you watch my movie? And they watch it. And apparently Brian De Palma like, like 
blew up like with like this is horrible like this is so bad and uh you know they both added their two cents to what they thought they needed to do so they hired a new editor and they re-edited the whole film and and uh you know they show kind of the previous scenes and they then they show all these deleted scenes that kind of were just take uh, it was really good and you know as a star wars you know i do love myself from star wars and I kind of got out of it for a while, but I kind of find myself like getting back into it. I don't know why. I'm just getting back into Star Wars. And certainly the, I want to learn more. I think I'm going to read this book called The Making of Star Wars, which I've heard about for a while, and it's supposed to be awesome. And, uh, you know, all the things that, you know, it was kind of a disaster the whole way through, and then somehow it becomes the biggest movie of all time. and uh, Or one of the biggest movies of all time. So, yeah. So there you go. Star Wars strip clubs um you know i haven't had a chance to talk about abortion in america but you know i said what i had to say on my instagram and you know it's really a shame that the leaders of this nation are not fit to certainly the democratic leaders aren't fit to rise to this occasion and what the fuck the republicans want to do is just insane yeah, it's a fucking mess. And, you know, I'm pro-abortion. I'm absolutely pro-abortion. It's the woman's choice. It should be the it, government. It's not the government's choice. It's the fucking woman's choice. Because it's a huge choice. It's not the choice between wearing a mask during a pandemic and, you know, it's the choice between, you know, r the next 18 years, really, of your fucking life. 19 years, really, from, you know, the time it's born. And, you know, what you want to do with that. And it ain't got shit to do with God. And it ain't got shit to do with any of that bullshit. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It. Fucking God. It was great because I, there was a guy, there was a guy, I just watched this guy, I'll play, you know what, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play it over the thing. Because uh, I don't think I can play it on my computer here. But I, I saved the video and show it to my friends because it was so goddamn funny. But I can play it into my microphone. Let me see, where is it at? There it is, right here. Hold on. Because God is pro-life. Well, actually, Numbers chapter 5, verses 13 through 29, God commands abortion if a man even thinks his wife might have cheated on him. And you got to be taking that out of context. That don't sound right. But, but, but he's definitely not in the late-term abortions like the Democrats. Uh, actually, God would let you abort your kids even after they were alive if they were disobedient. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18 through 21. Well, well, well that's all in the Old Testament, and, and we don't care about that. But at least the Supreme Court got it right when they put prayer back in school. Have you even read this book? Okay, Jesus actually commanded his disciples not to pray in public, but in their private locked 
closets. Locked closets. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Well, I like it, so damn it, fuck what Jesus is talking about. He's not a real Christian anyway. I heard he was a ch- <laughs> Right? Can you relate? Can you relate? Yeah. And in the Jewish religion, they're cool with abortion. They're like, yeah, like that shit needs to happen. But we got a bunch of fucking religious nutbags. Fucking nutbags. And zealots. In control of the courts and laws. And you know Clarence Thomas has had a fucking abortion. That motherfucker was cheating on his wife like crazy. We all know. We all know from the fucking Anita fucking shit back when he got put on the fucking stand to begin with. Can't remember her name now. Anita something or other. Always trying to fuck her while being a married man. That fucking hypocrite piece of shit. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that I probably want to talk about, I'm going to wrap it up here. I am going to read you uh, someone else's blog. And uh, I did not write this. I'm going to preface this. I did not write this particular blog. As you know, I write blogs, but I did not write this one. But I'm going to read it to you. As you may or may not know, over the 4th of July weekend, which is our Independence Day here in America... Uh, there was a a massacre, another mass shooting at a parade in Highland Park, Illinois, which is a suburb about 25 miles outside of Chicago in a different county, so I don't even know if it's considered Chicago. But Highland Park seems like a very normal community. Uh, and as it turns out, some white, radicalized, Trumper, 22-year-old, got an assault rifle and went and climbed up on top of a roof and fucking massacred seven people, injured 30 people. He killed. There was a toddler, two years old, left on the scene, covered under a dead man. He was rescued by people as they were fleeing the scene. You know, as you can imagine, people are just there for a parade. They're just celebrating, you know, Independence Day. And there's a toddler, two years old, dude, under a a man, a dead man who's bleeding all over it. People find it, take care of it, don't know, looking for the parents. Turns out he lost both of his parents. Both of his parents murdered. It's fucking, it's one of the saddest things I ever read in my life. It's fucking horrific. That's horrific. And I wanted to write something, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't just, I, fuck. I literally just couldn't do it. I just had to fucking tune out. But somebody else wrote a blog, and it really kind of summed up how I felt better than any way that I could have said it. Uh, 
And I'm not going to tell you who wrote it. I'm just going to I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, the headline is called "He knew no one would expect a woman," and he was right. Wait, is that right? No, that's not right. So, if you don't know, uh, I'll let me just start. I'll say this about mass murderer Bobby Crimo. He knows that we are safe from the 51% of the population who doesn't do mass murder. 99.9% of mass murderers are men. So he knew that the best way to escape his slaughter on Monday in Highland Park, Illinois, was to blend in with the terrorized crowd running for their lives and to do so dressed as a woman. Because no one would dare suspect he was the shooter because, well... He was a woman. He had dressed as a woman, even as he was up on the roof wearing a skirt and makeup as he fired off over 70 bullets. Bullets is a polite word in this case. The ammo he used in his high-powered assault rifle, a weapon of war, is able to blow one's head off. On Monday, there was at least one victim with half his head gone. A woman was missing much of her upper torso. Another woman had most of one leg blown off by just one, quote-unquote, bullet. I want every network and newspaper to do their duty to the truth and fucking show America what this really looks like. Stop blurring out the truth. When you do that, you are liars. You pretend that by not showing the carnage, you are being respectful to the families of the dead. Wrong. You are disrespecting the dead by not showing the sacrifice they made so we can have a Second Amendment. Stop your bullshit and do your job. Show the world the real America in all its despicable violence. Legally purchase guns with legally sold ammunition that has only one singular purpose, the utter annihilation of the human body with immediate decapitation and or the vivisection that spills one's innards onto the sidewalk like raw mincemeat, organ after organ, carved up and splayed for the little children at the parade to see. If the millions saw the true horror of this, I am convinced they would march on Washington and circle the Capitol and not leave until all assault weapons were banned and confiscated. Here's what Joe Biden was able to bring himself to say. I am shocked by this senseless act of gun violence. Really? You're shocked? What planet have you been on? There is nothing shocking about this tragedy. It happens every fucking week. 310 mass shootings since January. There are now two mass shootings per day in the USA. And you call this senseless gun violence? Does that mean that there's a sensible gun violence? What does sensible violence look like? Stop calling it senseless. This all makes perfect sense. We Americans are the main perpetrators of violence, whether it's against each other, against women specifically, whether it's invading other countries, or letting people die from lack of health coverage so we can build more sophisticated bomb-dropping drones while we round up babies and kids on the border and throw them into cages. We're one of the last countries with the death penalty. We lead the way in destroying planet Earth, 
We pump over 60 bullets into an unarmed black man in Akron, Ohio, simply because he's black. He's not human. And wouldn't it be, be cool to see what a black body looks like with nothing left of his body but bullet holes? This makes cops like this so excited they jizz their pants. There is so much blood on our hands, and there is nothing new about it. On the day after the Highland Park Massacre, where was President Biden? Handing out medals of honor to soldiers who 50-plus years ago killed scores of Vietnamese. During the ceremony, Biden kept referring to Vietnamese as the enemy. I wanted to puke. They weren't the enemy. You, the American government, and its corporate sponsors are the enemy. The Vietnamese never did anything to us. Instead of handing out medals, get down on your knees and apologize right now to the people of Vietnam and offer reparations and ask for forgiveness for the families of the 59,000 American dead listed on that wall. And instead of hollow medals, give all the vets still alive anything and everything they need. As I write this, authorities in Illinois continue to refuse to describe the massacre as a hate crime. So I will. Half of the dead at the parade were Jewish. Scores of the wounded or injured are Jewish. Highland Park is 33% Jewish. 10,000 of its 30,000 residents are Jewish. What part of this don't the police or the media get? What are they waiting for? A post-it note from little Bobby left behind on his parents' fridge? Yeah, I'm probably just overreacting. I'm sure there's no connection. Finally, the mayor of Highland Park, whom the killer's father ran against for mayor in 2019 and lost, admitted that she knew the killer. And just a sidebar here, that blew my mind when I read it the first time. And so did this next part. She admitted she knew the killer. I was his Cub Scout leader, she said quietly. Yes, that's how normal all these killers and their killings are. They are not outliers. They live on your street. Bobby lived just a few blocks from the parade his whole life. He went to school with your kids. The Charleston Mother Emanuel shooter played Little League with you. The Buffalo shooter ate where you eat. The El Paso killer shopped where you shop. The Dayton mass murderer pumped gas right next to you at the shell. He is America. They are all America. And the sooner we can own this fact, the quicker we can find our way out of this morass. For now, this will not end. So go ahead and brace yourself for the next slaughter. It's just a few hours away. So, I'm going to end on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Very much appreciate it. Love to every one of you. Peace out. With Rob Flynn.